right, Erin, welcome to the Creative Visibility Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm honored to be your very first guest. Yes. I can't remember when we discovered each other, but I feel like... Nor I. I feel like you were either moving from Florida or was like somewhere within that transition of you moving from Florida to Atlanta. Because I remember knowing specifically that you were... I remember you moving two years ago. So I don't know if it was just like on TikTok, you were just kind of getting your feet wet. Yeah. So you know what? It would have had to be before TikTok because I hopped on at the beginning of the pandemic, but I moved officially in June of 2019 from Miami to Atlanta. So I guess maybe we just... uh, Instagram, maybe. Instagram, it had to have been. Yeah. Mutual friends being homos. And uh, yeah, I love that. (laughs) Tell uh, the audience a little bit about what you do, and then we'll talk, we'll get into your content creation, but your history of being an actor and what brought you to Atlanta. Yeah. Hey, everyone. My name is Aaron. My username basically everywhere is Aaron Goldieboy, which is A A R O N G O L D Y boy. And I grew up in Miami, which is where I started everything acting in church when I was younger. And like transitioning to student films and community theater in my teenage years. And then uh, finally in my kind of early twenties, college years, getting an agent, really diving into TV film commercials and uh, theater here and there as well. Yeah. And acting is just like what I've wanted to do my whole life. And I don't think I really grasped growing up in Miami, which does feel like a very artistically rich city. I didn't really grasp that like, a TV and film career based out of there was going to be a lot harder than a place like LA and New York and, mm. and now Atlanta. So I kind of just thought I would live there my whole life. And it finally clicked one day, like, Oh, you've got to go where the work is. I don't know why it took me so long to, <laughs> <laughs> to understand that. And there is stuff that happens down in Miami, but I just knew that there were going to be a lot more opportunities if I, if I moved and I love Atlanta the fact that it has blown up over the last few years and the fact that it's like still pretty close to home made it a pretty logical next step for me. So yeah, so I moved two years ago to pursue TV and film. I got an agent a few months later and then the pandemic hit a few months after that. So I found myself at home with lots of time. And for some reason, I thought that like TikTok was a like a dance and lip sync place only. So then when I realized you could post comedy there too, I was like, Oh, I can do that. I'll just do the stuff that I like make on Instagram, which my Instagram and my YouTube and everything that I had ever done before that had never really gained popularity. I think maybe I had about a thousand followers on Instagram, you know, nothing had ever blown up and gone viral. And my YouTube, I had kind of given up on that because I was putting in so many hours and just like zero return. And then I'm one of those people that like my first video on TikTok went pretty viral, got like 300,000 views, which for me at the time, like nothing I'd ever created had gotten that many. So I was like, oh, wow, this is great. And I get it. Like the video was pandemic themed. It was quick cuts, comedy, all that stuff. So it made sense. But then as usually happens with something like TikTok or any place that like gives you a viral video right away, the rest of my stuff crashed immediately (laughs) so it was confusing going from that to like videos that struggled to get 500 views and i was like okay i guess i just need to 
keep doing this. And yeah, I can go into other details later. But yeah, so from that really like kind of launched a lot of other platforms for myself. And did um, you feel like you were like very conscious about like, okay, I'm going to create content, I'm going to be a content creator? Or did you feel like you were like, you know what? I'm just here. I'm going to figure this out. I'm, you know, the pandemic's here and I'm just going to keep making shit. Yeah. There are probably private videos on my TikTok account now, but like I was just reposting videos I made from Instagram. I wasn't thinking of myself as a TikTok creator or even a content creator necessarily because again, my main thing is and has always been acting. Um, So yeah, I didn't know that it would take off like it did. I wasn't really expecting it to, but when it did... As the months went on and the traction grew and then I started getting asked to do like promotions and ads for companies, I was like, oh, this, oh, oh, this is, this is how people make money on social media. The people that I see that are always on vacation or, you know, whatever, (laughs) like, this is how it happens. Okay. And I was getting grossly underpaid, I now realize for a lot of those things, companies really try to kind of take advantage of people not knowing how social media works and all that. But now I've got an agent that deals with that, which I'm very grateful for. And yeah, I don't know if I answered your questions. I'm going to go on tangents, just <laughs> letting you know up front. That's me. So if you need to inter- interrupt me and like get me back on track. Great. I'm very curious about, That's fine. <laughs> no, you know, I think that there are many artists or actors out there who feel like they lose their legitimacy if they go into content creation or become influencers, um, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, how did you, or how do you continue to sort of wrestle with that as an artist? Be like, I still feel like a legitimate artist, even if I'm going to make money doing this. Yeah. I think for me, looking to people that I idolize in this, um, niche, I guess. So people like Jimmy Fowley and Johnny Sibley, who are just two that I could talk about that have legitimate acting, like screen TV and film acting careers, as well as content creation. I think it doesn't happen until it happens. Like I'm sure that most people look at me right now because they don't recognize me from anything TV and film and say like, Oh, he's just a, he's just a like online, whatever. And I get people in the comments saying, like, you should be an actor. I'm like, oh, really? Should I? Okay, yeah. You know, I'm, I never I never respond smart, snarky like that. But I'm like, yeah, that's, like, my main thing. That's, like, what I've been doing. Or you should audition for a really big movie. I'm like, thanks for the thought. Love that idea. Why didn't I think of that before? And, like, it's out now. I don't think an NDA really matters at this point. But, like, I auditioned for... Spider-Man 3. I've auditioned for Marvel and DC and Stranger Things and things that you either book or you don't book. It's just like all part of the job. But I never would have auditioned for any of those if I didn't move to Atlanta. So I haven't really had these major audition opportunities until about two years ago. And then of course, there was like an eight to nine month hiatus on all of that. But I am very fortunate, like, this year to have booked several things, none of which have come out yet. But I can talk about one. I'm going to be in an upcoming Lifetime movie called Here Kills the Bride. I think it's coming out in like the spring. So like, you know, bridal season. And I play the wedding planner. I was number five or six on the call sheets. That was just really, can I curse? 
Yeah. I should have asked that before. Great. That was really fucking cool to <laughs> be a part of a project like that, where the majority of the cast and crew came from LA. And then I was the highest number on the call sheet that was from Atlanta. So that was a moment for me of feeling like, okay, no matter what has happened or how some people might think of you or see you, like you are a legitimate actor and this is telling you that. I also got a chance this summer, I can tell you off the record later, maybe to be a part of an HBO Max pilot as well as a Netflix pilot. And the Netflix show just wrapped a few days ago. So I'm really excited to have those come out. And Yay, good. Hopefully like a snowball sort of thing will happen. On the flip side of that, I do know some people, including casting directors that have just kind of flat out, there was one that I spoke to and I was just asking her a question like out of curiosity during one of these workshops because I had been approached by like several different indie films or, or lower budget projects asking if I would be a part of something without an audition even because they were saying like, you know, having somebody with your numbers online might help us get funding and all that, which was kind of cool. So I asked her like, hey, for something like if I'm auditioning for these big projects, does it help for my agent to mention my social media following, which is not gigantic, but it's something. Yeah. What do you, and what is your, was, your TikTok is what at this point? My TikTok right now, I think is uh, reaching like 780 this morning, 780K. And then my Instagram is 44,000 something right now. That's nothing to sneeze at. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not the millions that they might like actually yeah. consider like, oh, this is a person we, you know, will make millions of dollars from or whatever. So she basically said like, that really only matters for indie projects. Um, these other companies have such large marketing budgets that it, it really doesn't influence anything. I had another casting director during a workshop. I was doing two takes of a scene. So we like self-taped it at home and then he was judging in class. And one of them I did a lot more like subtle and subdued and like, grounded. And then the other one, I kind of brought it up a little bit and kind of gave it a little more comedy energy, but I still thought it was realistic. And during the the feedback, he mentioned, you know, you don't want to like TikTok up this take. And that like stuck with me the whole class. So then at Q&A afterwards, I was like, hey, just wondering like what you meant by that specifically. And he was like, you know, so I've seen your TikTok and um, you're very big there, you know? And I was like, okay, question, because I've never gotten to ask a casting director this, like, does it, you know, because that's just sort of my brand there, the nature of my, a lot of my comedy. Does that stick out to you as maybe a person that doesn't know me or hasn't seen me act elsewhere? Does that stick out to you as like, oh, this is probably the only thing this guy can do. He can't do anything else. And he was like, honestly, it's going to depend. But I wouldn't look at that and say, oh, I bet he can be realistic and grounded. And I was like, okay, got it. I, I can. P.S. But I mean, um, that's like what auditions are for, right? right like... Exactly. So I then I've also heard. Um, so Caitlin Riley, um, I love her. We all love and adore. Oh my god, she's um, amazing. I've talked to her about this stuff, and she also has gotten a chance to be. Oh, she's Atlanta based too, right? She's not. She's uh, in L.A. Oh, she's in LA. Um, Yeah. So I know that she, as a result of TikTok, has had huge doors open. You know, she's a part of a lot, several upcoming gigantic projects. Great. Um, I'm so stoked for her. So, like, I see that and I know that it can happen. 
but then I guess I'm just talking to the wrong people <laughs> or like the people that don't appreciate it the same way that maybe the opportunities that are opening for her. So I really don't know. I think it's a, you're going to get both sorts of reactions. And I think the main thing that's going to matter is like consistency in the end, you know? And then once I get footage from these other legit projects, it'll be like, oh, he has done TV and film and knows how to act for the, you know, for a screen that's not your phone and all that. Yeah. I also <laughs> say to people often, like, also, like, if you're making money from your social media yeah. and these casting people don't want to, like, certain people don't want to cast you, then screw them. Like, you're totally. paying your bills doing what you love. So, like, whatever. Yes. And I was going to say that when you when you first asked the question, like, if this is how you want to make your money, like, the majority of actors, I think it's only the top 3% or something that pay their bills from SAG, or the top 3% of SAG actors are the ones that pay their bills from acting. Right. The rest of them, we have to have other jobs, other work. I would love the day where I'm just so crazy busy that I don't have time to create <laughs> online stuff or I can do one video a month. Wonderful. Swell. Put me in that ship. But that's not a phrase. Put me in that ship. But, you know, <laughs> like right now I need to make money. And I'm also somebody that's like mostly really trying to stay safe with the pandemic and stuff. And I could do serving. I could do brand ambassador work. I could be doing any kind of number of jobs, but I love creating content and writing and editing and, you know, all the kind of things that come with it. And yeah, if somebody wants to judge me for that and like not cast me or not give me a chance because I've chosen this as my way to make my living, then they can fuck off and it's okay. <laughs> so do you feel like as a content creator, you have to love writing, you have to love editing, you have to love... Like, mm. you know, like, is there a way to make content <laughs> and not love the whole process? A hundred percent. But then it takes discipline, which I feel like for me is a week to week thing. Like, let's see how much discipline we have. I, for instance, for YouTube, I've hired an editor. So that's the only thing that I outsource. The footage for those videos, the rough, uh, like the, the unedited is usually about 30 to 35 minutes. I edited the first video with me and Drew and it took me forever. And I knew that like, even though it took me forever, I just didn't have the time and energy to put all the like extra flair on it that I think makes a really fun, entertaining YouTube video. So I sought out an editor, found one. She lives in London. She's incredible. Love her. But yeah, otherwise, like some weeks I really, really love every part of the process. And that's usually when you'll see like a bunch of new skits rolling out. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't feel like writing. I don't feel like editing. So you'll see that like, I don't really put subtitles on my things because that takes the extra editing. Or sometimes that's honestly like what makes me collab with other people. Like that's really what started getting me to do videos with different friends was I'm tired of acting by myself in my bedroom. And uh, I want like some kind of more creative community experience. And then once I've done that, I've got more energy to go edit and work on it at home and all that. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess that how much strategy or planning actually goes into your content? Again, it depends. Um, yeah. What's I, your goal? Like you want to post every day? Like what's your goal? Like the goal, the, yeah, the goal at minimum is to post something every day. Some weeks I've got a really great like you know, I'll spend the previous week writing and then I'll spend one day filming everything. And then I'll spend that next week 
editing and releasing as the days go on. And then if another random video idea pops into my head, I'll film and edit and post that too. These days, I feel pretty spent. So doing things with my friend Drew just makes it more fun and enjoyable for me. Or I'm doing a lot of reposts or like things that I realize like, oh, I posted this on TikTok a while ago, but I never did it to Instagram. So let me just post it there. Because even even though it's not new content, there's always sort of a weird like imposter syndrome thing of like, oh, you're just reposting. It's like, no, well, it, you know what? Maybe I need that today. So shush. You well, I started doing that too, kind of experimenting with that too, interestingly enough, because yeah, real because Instagram now is doing the paid bonuses for reels. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I need, you know, that's great, make some extra money. Yeah. So I'm actually reposting old reels because my audience has grown. Mm-hmm. But Same. also because like I knew that one performed really well. If I post it again, I might actually get paid for the views. Right. So I'm like, screw it, you know, make some money, you know? Hell yeah. (laughs) And here's the thing, like people that I keep trying to remind myself and challenge myself to not care. I realize that I'm caring and thinking about it way more than anybody else is. And if somebody actually does take time out of their day to write a rude comment or be like, isn't this a repost? What the heck, man? Like, then, you know, whatever usually what happens is I'll click on their profile and they don't even follow me. I'm like, why are you here? I know. I get this too. It's so insane. I do want to get to talking about you and Drew in a minute, but I'm very curious just from your perspective, being openly LGBTQ. And I know you've had some drama with TikTok, with your TikToks for some reason, but I also feel like there's something in... Steven and I have our Broadway Husbands account. And so mm-hmm. when you enter this sort of LGBTQ space of content creation, I feel like the audience is varied, right? There's yeah. the very thirsty <laughs> contingent of people. And then there's like the very like ally, family friendly, you know, Mm -hmm. other side of that, which is kind of where we lean with probably husbands. But if you hashtag, hashtag gay or hashtag, you you don't know where you're going to land on that spectrum. How do you navigate being openly gay, serving the community? You know, because it's super important to be visible to me for Mm -hmm. those young people that want to know that there's a place for them in the world. But also like, if you want to grow your following, you got to throw some of that thirst in there. So how do you navigate that? So such a big question. First of all, yeah, I agree that I believe it's important to be visible. I think there was a point where when I first started coming out, I felt incredibly guilty and like I had lied to everybody for so long. And I know it's more complicated than that. I was lied to and thus sort of lying to myself of believing it was a sin and that you could change and that you just had to like try really, really hard and whatever. So I believe that being visible really is so, so important because like you said, it's for that younger generation. I've had now like former students of mine or or teens that I used to work with at my old church DM me and say like, Hey, I just want to let you know that like, I see what you're doing and it's helping me accept like myself. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. Thank the God that I don't believe in anymore. But like, (laughs) it makes it feel 
so worth it. Me making these like goofy videos that I'm not online preaching coming out and being yourself and loving yourself and gay joy and all that stuff. But I think it just shines through, especially for those people that need it. I know that when I was still trying to find myself, just watching a video of somebody like Benny Drama, who's hysterical and so creative, um, really made me see like, oh, you can be gay and happy because I've been told for so long you can't. And yet this person genuinely does seem happy and like they're being successful and they don't hate themselves and (laughs) they're not a bad person. And so yes, audience wise, definitely have a a spectrum. Thankfully, I haven't really found myself to my knowledge on like gay hate TikTok or any of those sort of spaces. Occasionally when a video of mine goes more viral, I'll get comments saying like, this is gross or like, Jesus loves you so much. Like, please turn back now. I usually- or the sick emoji. We get the gro- the green sick puke emoji sometimes. Oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do believe that, thankfully, algorithms on these various apps have placed me in mostly uh, ally sort of spaces, which is nice. And I know that's not the case with everybody. I feel like the bigger you get, the more hate I see on those people's channels. Unfortunately, though, even with my minimal success on TikTok, for instance, I've gotten so many videos banned and so many marks against my account for things that I'm like, hold on, hold on. I've seen so much, you know, quote, worse content on people's channels, whether it's gay or straight or whatever, but like, I've literally seen people in thongs and then the thong breaks. So you still not seeing like whole, but you're seeing a girl's full on ass out. I've never done anything close to that. Or like, if anybody knows Garrett Nolan, for instance, like God love him, he works really hard, but it's very frustrating having a a heterosexual creator like that free to do whatever they want just because they're, I guess, verified and have millions of followers And then for me to get a video taken down when there's A, no nudity, and the sexual words that I am using are things like I'm saying a lollipop instead of dick. Like I'm using what we're, you know, we're trying to like... They're euphemisms. Right, exactly. (laughs) Like how is that graphic? How is that against guidelines? Unfortunately, the way that TikTok works is usually... If a video gets taken down, you have the opportunity to appeal it in most cases. But even with the appeal, and even if they say, oh, yep, sorry, here's your content back. Sorry for the inconvenience. There still exists those marks in the system against your account. And so for me, what I've seen over the past six months is overall, my views have gone way down. And overall, my growth has gone way down. And there are videos that I'm like, I know this is good. I know that if they would just show this to my followers, to my almost 800,000 followers, that they would like it. Or in some cases, the thing I hate the most is like a video of mine will seem to be taking off. Like I'll get 10,000 views in the first hour, which for me is a struggle now, even though I used to get 100,000 views in the first hour. There was a point where I was even getting 100,000 views in 10 minutes, in the first 10 minutes of things. And now usually... If I get about 500 views in the first 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, this video might do okay. Which I'm like, how is, how, why? I don't understand. There's something behind the scenes and I don't think it's intentional by TikTok, but I do believe TikTok 
really needs to seek out ways to help protect their creators and not stifle their growth or their creativity because it's it's fucking depressing do you feel like there was like something in your audience like someone reporting your content i do feel i do feel like there was that for a while i was also getting a lot of spam comments so i don't know if there were people saying there's probably blogs somewhere i don't know how the underbelly of homophobia works right but, you know <laughs> people like go attack you don't person. you don't no, know I, I don't i don't but i have seen comments occasionally like let's get this guy banned again yeah so i like immediately report that person and block them but i'm like how many of my followers are actually people that are just trying to report all of my content and get me taken off this app because i've been banned from creating for up to two weeks at different times and I'm just like, or banned from posting and, you know, going live or commenting or anything. I'm just like, and then at the end of that two weeks is when the appeal finally goes through and it says, Oh, sorry, your video actually wasn't unsafe. I'm like, yeah, I fucking know. Right. You're like, um, yeah, two weeks later. Or the thing that pissed me off the most Brett was there was one video where I was supposed to be banned for a week. I put in the appeal immediately. The appeal went through within one minute I don't know what that means, but it went through instantly, basically. And my next notification I got was, by the way, you're still banned for four days. Please continue to follow community guidelines. And I was like, you just told me by restoring my content that I didn't break any community guidelines. So why the fuck am I still banned for four days because of your faulty system? So shit like that. That's so frustrating. Very frustrating, infuriating. It takes the wind out of my sails it makes me not want to do stuff. So that's why I've really put a lot more energy towards things like Instagram, things like now OnlyFans, because they reached out to me and were like, hey, we're looking for more like comedy creators and just kind of to branch out from being known as just like that porn, porn site. Yeah. Um, and I started that five days ago and it's gone really well so far. I'm just like, why didn't I do this before? I've made, just to give you an idea, made more money on OnlyFans in five days than I've made from the TikTok creator fund in six months. Wow. I know that not every span of five days is going to be that amount of money with OnlyFans, but still I'm like, okay, this is a a platform that seems to actually like care about their creators. Right. And work and want to work with me. And I know there's problems with every platform, but well, I mean, you're going to run into, I mean, aren't you afraid with OnlyFans? There's already such a cliche around it that like, yes, which is one reason I hesitated getting on for so long. And I told them when they emailed me back in January, February, I was like, Hey, I'm going to pass for right now. Thank you so much. (laughs) Like that's not the kind of content my friend Drew and I make. So right. Right. And although uh, your fans probably would like to see that. A hundred percent. And w- well, now we get a bunch of DMs on OnlyFans. Like, so you're not even going to suck his dick or anything? Like, really? Okay, I guess I'm unsubscribing. I'm like, all right, bye. Um, but yeah, I, I truly don't remember what I was saying there. But uh, <laughs> we were talking about, so the OnlyFans, you initially were going to not take it because yes. of the, because the of stigma the, and the I, stigma. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that I do, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, whatever, YouTube, is always with the the thought in the back of my head, like, is this going to help me reach my goals or hinder me somehow? And back then, my assumption was like, this might hurt my acting career, being on OnlyFans. But then I realized like, well, I can be on OnlyFans and 
do and only post things that I know are not going to get in the way of that. And like, I'm a very sexually free person. Like if I didn't believe that it would hurt my chances of getting, or like if we lived in a world where like nudity and porn weren't as taboo as they were a hundred percent, I would be doing all that stuff. I love sex. I love videotaping and all that. I rarely do those things anymore. Like even on Grindr, I don't send nudes. Or if I do, it's in very like rare cases because always in the back of my mind is like, this is going to end up get out. Yeah. online somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with the amount that I'm recognized on Grinder, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to risk this right yeah. now. So with OnlyFans, I feel like I hope that maybe Drew and I can be part of the change in perception for OnlyFans and even get more creators on there to start making a living that you have the potential to that some of these other platforms are not really working with their creators. They're working with advertisers, not their creators. Right. Yeah. That's very interesting. Okay. So I'm super excited to see how this grows. And I also think the whole OnlyFans thing is is funny and ironic for the mm-hmm. content that you and Drew make. So for those that don't follow yet, and you should follow, Drew is your roommate or just friends? So we are friends. A lot of people think we're roommates. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. And Drew is straight, but like mm-hmm. super hunky, muscular, like hottie. And uh, thanks for noticing. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to. <laughs> and they started doing these funny videos where I'm going to probably botch this. So I'm going to take a stab at it and see how it goes. Go for it. Where Drew would come to Aaron for advice on how to respond to people DMing him thirsty things. And Aaron would give him, oh, yeah, you could just say this back. And it was funny euphemisms and hilarious responses and pretty brilliant i think a showing that drew is an ally b that you know you can have a platonic relationship with a straight guy who's really hot and it doesn't have to be sexualized and yet there's this underlying like sexual tension in all of them as well did i get that right i think you know yes you did um (laughs) i think too it's so great how like it really doesn't matter what we post people are going to put their internal like hopes and dreams and perceptions onto a video. Um, Whereas like when Drew and I are together, it's real, like, yes, obviously he's very fit, but I'm not like constantly there lusting after him. Like he's just my goofy friend, Drew, who I love creating with. And we're like each other's biggest cheerleaders of, you know, when we get an audition or, an opportunity like his our favorite thing to say is just like let's fucking go like just all this stuff so like now that we started only fans and that's taking off it's really cool to have this extra thing that we get to like dive into together and that is doing well and that we can hopefully use that money to like help support us to create stuff even more full-time let me read you <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> if let me i hear can it. find it really quick a um Oh, somebody wrote me this DM and it was so wonderfully aggressive concerning me and Drew. Hold on. <laughs> oh, it might take me just a moment. Here we go. I found it. Whew. Okay. So it's that long. Oh, damn. <laughs> it's so great. I think it represents a lot of people's views, probably unspoken or spoken. So first of all, I want to say you and Drew are awesome. I've been a fan since the first video you guys made and you never failed to make me laugh. Second, and I say this from a place of love, just fuck already. <gasps> Sweet 
buttery Jesus. It's obvious there's chemistry, and we all know you're friends, but guess what? Sometimes friends fuck. Just get it out of your system and get busy making babies, for Christ's sake. I know Drew is straight, possibly in a relationship. Who cares? Drew can come out for a while. There's nothing to say he can't go back in again. But while he's out, you ride him like a crosstown bus. Get that shit on OnlyFans and make some scratch while scratching that itch. I'm sorry to be so direct, but I've taken a poll, and this is the general feeling of the masses. Now, one of you needs to get down on your knees and start chugging like a freshman during (gasps) rush week. I'm not picky, frankly, and if you get to plowing like Mennonites in the spring, so be it. Well, that person's a writer. (laughs) Right? I actually, like, I responded, I was like, thank you so much for your passion and your... Your thought you've obviously put a lot of thought into this. Um, I so enjoyed reading that message. But yeah, it's like that's not the energy that's there with me and Drew like in person. You know? No, you've found a really good partner in crime that gets it, gets what to serve the audience, and that's evident to me. It's like you're just a partners. You're like you're writing partners, you're acting partners, you just know like, okay, this is what the audience wants, we'll give them that. And it's just enough, right? It's just enough to like keep people laughing. But I think what I see in in that as somebody who creates visible content, especially that importance of being visible for LGBTQ is that I see that like, there's an ally, Drew is an ally, Mm -hmm. that it's not, while you are being in like sexual, you're not being sexual together. It's like, it's such a cool, safe space that you've created. And I I just want to honor that. I think that that's really what I see. So I I hope you um, continue to do that. And I think I've heard that like, you know, even back when I was making videos with my real roommate, um, there are people that it's very meaningful to them to have that like, straight gay friendship and for it to be normalized because I know that for me as a gay teen and just young person, like I always felt like if I was out to my straight friends that it would create awkwardness or they would get overly defensive and and some people do and did, or I mistook their love and affection, their platonic love and affection for hitting on me. So then I would take a step, you know, too far in trying to like test the waters and see if that's actually what it was. And then it would, you know, it would cause waves. And I feel like it's just so much better being open about all that stuff. And now in my life, I choose whether or not Drew or any of my hot straight friends, of which there are a lot, because I know models and actors, like, (laughs) I just choose to take people at their word. So as long as somebody tells me they're straight, I don't care how maybe flamboyant they are or comfortable they are with whatever, like I'm going to honor that. And I think that's part of friendship too, you know? Um, Yeah. It would be incredibly disrespectful, for instance, if Drew was trying to constantly like hook me up with girls. I've had that in the past where like I had friends who now I understand it was pretty homophobic, like trying to say like, dude, if you were just to hook up with a girl, I'd be so happy, man. And I'm like, um, that's rude. Um, (laughs) yeah. Like why not just be happy for, uh, who I am? It's normal, but yeah. Yeah. I've heard all those things too. I get it. Mm -hmm. 
I am excited to see where all of this takes you. I think that's what I love about what you're doing is that you're like, you know, TikTok's kind of making this difficult for me. I'm going to go other spaces. There's so many options yeah. out there for creators. So find the space that works for you that, again, can pay the bills. Yeah. If that's what you want. Uh, I've always been so impressed by you and just super inspired by you. What are we going to say? Oh, thank you, Brett. I, yeah, I was going to say, like, I think one of the goals now with me, like putting time and energy into so many different platforms is hoping that someday there will be some kind of an income from each of them. And so then you've got, you know, whatever money comes from TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and OnlyFans. Like right now, I am at a place where I'm making money from each of those platforms. Some are more than others right now. OnlyFans, even though it's the newest one, is providing me the most money, which is insane. Also, I want to say like a lot of people, I think, think like, oh, it would just be so easy if I started an OnlyFans. Like Drew and I built an audience elsewhere first and those people came over. It's not like our OnlyFans came out of nowhere. Correct. I've even thought, of course, because I'm a gay man during a pandemic, I was like, what if I started an OnlyFans but just like didn't show my face? (laughs) I... That would be fine, right? But then I'm like, where would I advertise that? I don't have an audience for that. So I very much realize that the success is because we have such awesome fans. I'm hoping these other platforms start working out and catch up to to join this. But I know that like every platform basically is kind of like trying to one-up each other and how they treat their creators. So I'm like, please, please fight over me. Please... <laughs> like try to show me that your platform has the best incentives. And then that way, like, you know, hopefully me and so many other content creators like me can actually start making a living for the hard work we do. Cause whether people realize it or not, it is like, it's very consistent, hard work. I definitely work more than 40 hours a week, you know, and it's in my house and it's online and all that. So it's very different than traditional Sh- showing jobs. Up. Yeah. But it is work and it's something we deserve to be paid for. 100%. All right. Well, where can people come follow you? You already dropped some of those things. Aaron Goldie Boy on Instagram, on TikTok, on, where, on YouTube. YouTube, and then- Facebook fan page. Yeah. The two places that I'm really like, or I guess three, that I'm really trying to grow right now are the YouTube right now. I'm not, we're not monetized there. So basically we just need people to watch more videos and then you get, and then you're able to get monetized. So go do that. Facebook (laughs) is also doing a monetization system. So I'm trying to push more people over there as well. But yeah, OnlyFans, if you want to see like some exclusive content that we're not posting anywhere else, the OnlyFans is only spelled slightly differently. So instead of B O Y for the boy at the end of my username, it's B O I I I. Three eyes. Oh, no, I should have done B-O-I-X. Because then you've got the X. But it's still like, wouldn't that be French for boy or something like that? Boy. 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 God damn it. Oh, well. Well, (laughs) Well, thank you for coming and talking us through this whole journey. It's been super impressive to watch. Go follow Aaron and Drew and um, keep plugging away. Keep being creative. Keep being courageous. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me and uh, love, love what you and your hubby are doing as well. Thank you.